I'm Gab. He's Robbo. No jewels yet, although I suspect with uh, uh, France on their way home from the World Cup, jewels will be uh, following cheek by jowl. Jewel, uh, Robbo, we have a packed show. So much going on. German Super Cup. Uh, Harry Kane making his debut. Women's World Cup. We're at the semifinal stage. Neymar. Uh, Mbappe. Uh, injuries to Adrian Militao. So much. But Oh, and, and a very angry Xavi. Um, but let's start with... Chelsea and mm. Liverpool. Uh, you kind of had the derby off the pitch uh, for Moises Caicedo. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, Chelsea, it appears, has won that. It's a bidding the mm. highest bid. I think 115 million uh, pounds, or rising 150 million, is what's been reported. But let's talk about the game first, because people said this was a very exciting game. Mm. I thought those were two very daring caution mm. to the wind. Uh, yep. performances from the two sides. Did that surprise you a little bit, especially considering that both these teams are still incomplete and, and, and short? Not so much when you saw the people that he put out, on, or both uh, managers put out on the pitch, but I was surprised at the attitude of both sides in terms of they both wanted to press the ball. They left players high up the field at times when they were building up from the back so that they could then go that little bit longer when they needed to. The position of the Chelsea wingbacks was a, a major surprise at times. You know, we, we know they could love to get forward, but at times Chilwell was almost playing as an outside left, which meant that Colville against Colville against Salah was a, as a problem in the first half. So there was lots of things that were very good about the game, the attacking side of it, the adventure. One or two things that will need adjusting if they're going to be challenging for top four positions, I would say. Uh, so one... When I was thinking about the game was when you are so daring, mm. um, I mean, I thought in the first half, you know, at one point between Salah hitting the, the, the crossbar, mm. uh, the other goal that was disallowed, which, you know, was, it was millimeters, right? You say it was disallowed, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's yeah. obviously not part of your plan to, yeah. to cut it that close. At some point, Chelsea could have been 3-0 down. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing about football, right? You... This is the thing about taking risks. You yeah. could have been 3-0 down. Instead, you weren't. So Chelsea got back into it. And I thought in the second half, Chelsea made things work better. Yeah. Again, helped by Liverpool also going head-to-head -head with them. But it felt like, to me, Chelsea had more solidity. Yes, in the second half. It's all about sometimes... It's not so much about the, how the manager sets up. It's quite often about decision-making. You know, as a midfield player... Do I, you know, do I make that decision to go and press the ball or do I drop off quickly to make sure that we can't be counter-attacked? And quite often Chelsea's players in the first half got it wrong. They went to close the ball down, they got played around and suddenly it was a back three against maybe three or four uh, Liverpool players. So as time wears on, I think sure Pochettino will get the better out of the players defensively. They will make better decisions and they will have a better understanding of what he wants. It was a, a good game in terms of seeing some free-flowing football. We saw Jackson running with the ball at pace. He looked a much better player than I thought he was when I saw him in La Liga last year. So lots of good things. In terms of Liverpool, obviously they're short a midfielder, mm. which is why they, <laughs> they tried yeah. for, for Moises Caicedo. Um, he, he opted to play Cody Gakpo, dropped Alexis mm. McAllister in, in front of the mm. back four. Sobislai as well, like, you know, mm. he's he's a midfielder, but, you know, he's played, really well. played an played attacking played, midfielder. Yeah. No, he had a good game, but, like, essentially you could argue that these were five forwards on the pitch mm. um, and then a plus an attacking midfielder mm. McAllister, <laughs> plus Alexander Arnold, who yeah. some people don't feel is really right back. I That... That's a big ask. Why, why is Klopp setting up that? I mean, he does have other players. We saw Curtis Jones coming on. Mm. Um, you know, there are other options. 
He obviously, is he sending a message? I think he's sending a message. And, and he's the sort of manager about the defensive side of the game. And he, he believes this. And I, I don't think he probably does enough work on the actual back four or back three when Alexander Arnold was playing in central midfield. It's all about pressing the ball. If we press the ball well enough with enough players right. and we win the ball back, we won't have problems defensively. We'll cut it out at source. But, but the thing is, if you're Cody Gakpo and you played forward and winger uh, mm. all season, and then you're in midfield. Yes, you can say, I want to mm. work hard and stuff, but mm. your pressing triggers, your pressing movements are different when you yeah. play in a midfield three, right? Yeah. So that's a huge adjustment that he has to make. Hey, he does. But I also had a, a chat with all the technical staff when they bought uh, Van Alden to the club. And they said, for the first few weeks, we can't play Van Alden, who was a midfield player by trade, and, you know, and a very good one, because they said he didn't know how to press the right. ball. And we can't have him in the side because he keeps on getting played around. Eventually... That will happen for us. He will become. We'll make him a very good presser. And they did. And they now did. became yeah. a pressing machine. Yeah, he was and, his palm. and that's what that's what they worked at. And I'm sure that's what they're going to try and do so with, with, Gakpo. Yeah, with Gakpo and and Shubba's line. Um, that's an interesting concept. I hadn't thought of that before. Quickly on Moises Caicedo, we're going to get into it more mm. on the Gavin Jules podcast. It's an it's, a, it's an enormous amount of money. Mm. Is this now instantly Caicedo Enzo? Is this the best midfield duo in the universe? Uh, I'm not or sure. Are you still going to lean towards Rodri and whatever uh, else? I mean, it's, it's a very good combination. Obviously, they can both play with the ball. They can both make forward runs. Because I always say, and you, you were talking about holding midfield, as everybody talks about holding midfield players, attacking midfield players, a midfield player should be able to do both sides of the game. Caicedo can do both sides of the game. He can win the ball back and he can also pass it and he can run forward. One of my concerns, and look, I, I genuinely don't know at this stage, I don't know if there's more players that Chelsea are looking to fit, to, to shift, mm. but if 150 million, just, just, just putting it in the money terms, mm. um, obviously it's a Premier League record, um, breaking the Premier League record set by his midfield teammate, Enzo yeah. Fernandez. Um, there's two things. One, we can debate whether the price right, wrong, mm. risks associated. But I wonder, where does this fit with financial sustainability rules? Because obviously we know that Chelsea were in this enormous hole. Um, I thought they did really well to get out of it. I thought they sold Mount very well. I thought they sold Havertz very well. Uh, Mandy, Koulibaly. Mm. Uh, they were able to cut uh, the wage bill in, in better ways, and yeah. more efficiently. But looking at this now, especially with some of the, the other signings, obviously having to bring in um, Axel Dizazi as well mm -hmm. uh, after the injury to Wesley Fofana, um, all of a sudden I'm wondering, are they back in the hole again? Um, I, I know, I got, I, you don't know, I don't know, we can only speculate, I know football finance isn't necessarily your, <laughs> why we have you on the show. But the reason I raise this um, is I just wonder, do they have something else up their sleeve? Do they have a plan to then claw some money back? Because otherwise, I don't see how this is going to work based on the figures that that we'd seen. Are, are there, and I guess what I'm driving at, are there players there who they think they can still get a, a fee from that you think that they don't need? Uh, you need a big enough squad to... to so. There's no European football. That's the other yeah, big thing. I mean, so... And Pochettino's already talking about having... Only wanting to work with 22, 23 players. That's what he right. thinks the squad should be. Um, but I can't see... When I look at the squad, who else he can get rid of? They've still got one or two injuries. Um, there's not too many players in that squad that you could get rid of now. I, I think he's got it to, to where he wants it to be. Uh, and there's not going to be too much movement from now to, to, um, to the end of the season. Okay, so with this, bearing that in mind, mm. um, 
I'm wondering a couple things. One is, do we think he's going to play with a back three all year? Because at Spurs, we mm. saw both back three mm. and back four versions of it. If you play with a back three all year, obviously, Thiago Silva's not getting any younger. No. It is one game a week, so that's more mm. manageable. I mean, do you, do you think the squad is built for that? Or do you think down the road, maybe once Nkunku's back from injury... He might play with two up front and it might change things. I mean, lots of teams now go from back threes to back fours, um, sometimes within the same game. You know, it's easier that you could just right. bring Reese James back that little bit deeper and Cowell could play as left back and, and obviously Chilwell play higher up on the on the left-hand side or the, or the other way around. Um, I think there'd be a bit of it. Even in the game against Liverpool, there was a bit of that. Chilwell was much higher in the main than, than Reece James, James was down the other side. So Reese James tucked in to become the, to, to the right back and, and Chilwell played almost as a left winger and Colwell came across to, to deal with Salah. That's how you deal with different things in, in a game. Uh, Badis Shaw can come back into the side when he's fit. So Thiago Silva might be the player to drop out because he's getting older and not going to be able to... he's not necessarily play every game. He's not going to yeah. play every game. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's every chance. And then then you've got the two central midfield players that can do both sides of the game if they get Caicedo because Enzo Fernandez can do both sides of the game. Against Liverpool early on in the game, he made two runs into the heart of, of their defence and got in behind I'm, Liverpool. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with where they are in midfield. Yeah. Obviously, they, they're picking up Tyler Adams as mm. well, who's going to be fit next mm. month. Tyler Adams, Gallagher, mm. you know, four central midfielders as long as they don't think they're the player or, or Gallagher's a player they want to get rid of they've still got to keep him in that squad as you, you were asking the question are they going to get rid of players right. I don't think they can get rid of Gallagher just in case I mean they've had others as well Leslie yeah. Ugachukwu too yeah. but like maybe there will be some movement mm. there um, so it's further further forward Karnichukwu who I think is somebody who we don't quite know what kind of player no. he's going to be. He's still very young, very raw. Mm. I think he's got to find his right position. Mm. Did you like what you saw? Is he? He's not a projected starter, is no, he? No, not really. You assume at some point, Mudrik's going to find his way back into the yeah. side. They have Nani Madueke as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're the, they're the players that I think that whoever, whoever has a good couple of games then gets into Pochettino's mind and he plays them and get, they get a start. I've seen him in two or three preseason games. I saw him against Liverpool. And has he really affected the games? Not really. And when you're playing for a team like Chelsea, you know, a club like Chelsea, when there's people that can come in and take your position, you've got to affect games. And he didn't really do that in any of the games I've seen. He's quite nice on the ball and he's made one or two decent runs, but he hasn't really affected the way Chelsea have played. And that's something he's got to change or the manager's got to change. Do you think, obviously, Madwek and Mudrik, definite, Mm. wingers, wide forwards, yeah. whatever you want to call. Sterling and Chukwemeka, less mm. so in mm. the sense that, you know, they've, they've played inside, they can come inside, whatever. If they play, if they, if they use Chilwell in the way they did, mm. you can't really have a winger up there no. on his side either, right? Because there was times in the game when, when it was stopped and Chelsea were playing out from the back, but it was almost they were playing with the front three of Reese James on the right, the centre forward, Jackson, and Chilwell on the left, and Sterling and Chukwemeni were playing slightly deeper and other midfield players were running beyond them at times. Sterling right. had to play a totally different role. And I think that's what football's all about. You have to be able to play two or three different roles within that area of the field. And Sterling did it okay in the game against Liverpool. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize this enough. And it's, it's just because it's, it's been fed back to me by so many mm. coaches and managers mm. over the years. It makes a real difference if you have time mm. on the training pitch to teach yep. and work with these mm. players, especially if you're a new manager. Mm. And I think, obviously, Pochettino's 
giving the club a lift. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be so important the fact that he's, he's preseason and then not playing European football that they're going to have time mm-hmm. to go and work on those things mm-hmm. to adapt Sterling if that's what mm-hmm. you want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I still have a lot of skepticism mm-hmm. for many, many different reasons mm-hmm. around this team, but. I am psyched that mm. we get to see Pochettino doing what he's paid mm. to do, which is coach and teach. And mm. so many times with teams in Europe, with the Champions League being so big and whatever else, yeah. they don't have the time to do that in season. You, you can rectify one or two things, but you can't get that plan worked over and over and over again where you go on the training field so it becomes second nature to the players. When the ball's there, we do this. And when the ball's there, we do that. You can't do that, as you said, when you've got loads of games being played because you everybody's talking about rest and recovery all the time. Right. Which brings us to Liverpool. Mm. Uh, there are 17 days left mm. in the transfer window, give or take. I had Don Hutchinson sitting where you're sitting mm. last week. He was apoplectic, apoplectic over yep. over this Moises Caicedo. He said, like, oh, just go spend the money on Caicedo. Mm. They tried to spend the money on Caicedo. It looks like he's headed the other way. Mm. They need another body in there. It's not mm. going to be Curtis Jones mm. and Basetic. And Thiago, some come when he's fit, some mm. combination of those three that sees you through the season, or is it? I don't think so. No, I think, uh, and you don't really want McAllister. And I've said it that you want midfield players that can do both sides of the game, but you don't really want to take away McAllister's attacking side right. to play him as the holding midfield player because that's something he can do, but it doesn't get the best out of him. So they still need somebody who's got that defensive mind, particularly when you've got fullbacks that love to get forward with Robertson and well, Alexander. Of those three guys I mentioned, yeah, Jones, Basetic, and um, Thiago. You talk about defensive mind. The only one who's got one is Pasetic, right? I would say Jones has got a defensive mind. He's got to yeah, adapt yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Jones, Jones would be all right. But uh, Pasetic, <laughs> I think he's more of a ball player than an actual defensive player. I don't think he's got great pace to get around the field. Because I always think a holding midfield player, and that's where I never liked Jorginho as a... As a Yes, good on the ball. Uh, Got to pick on Georgie, man. But he, but he couldn't get around the field and cover fullbacks. Right. And if you've got Alexander Arnold either coming in field or bombing up the field, it becomes or, so uh, much uh, more important. You want a, a, a defender who can then a holding midfield player or a defensive midfield player who can either go back in between his centre halves to allow the centre halves to go out in the wide areas, or someone that can get across the field to get out and cover the fullback. And that's what. <laughs> Milner and Henderson did when they were a bit younger. They did it quite well. So. This brings me back to the. I'm going to put the same question to you that I put to Don, and what mm. I didn't, I didn't follow. You've built the team. You have five, let's call them premium mm. forwards. Yeah, yeah. Salah, Darwin Nunez, Luis Diaz, and Jota. Um, now maybe they will try to adapt Gakpo mm. into mm. the Vinaldum thing. I, I'm not sure. Also, because he has a much bigger Vinaldum was more compact low to the ground yeah, side yeah. to side Gakpo was a big kid yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know that that's going to be mm. quite as easy um, if you're short on money to buy a defensive midfielder surely do you need five premium forwards when you also have Harvey Elliott this kid Doke who looked good mm. I could fill in the front are you not better just moving one of those guys and investing into a defensive midfielder. Because right now it feels like they're all being shoehorned and shuttled towards Romeo yeah. Lavia and there's nobody else. Yeah. Right? Are you not better off doing that? I think you'd have a more, uh, what's the right word, balanced squad and a balanced team if you had, if you, if you 
got rid of one of those front players. It's just project. that they're expensive. There's a lot yes. of resources tied up mm. in the amortization of these guys um, and in their salaries. That That's the only thing I, I just wonder mm. about. I mean, if it is about resource allocation, you're, source, you're short in one area. Mm. If that's what you yeah. need to do, since you don't have limitless funds. Uh, but I'll, I'll go a slightly different way to this. I th everybody, all managers seem to follow everybody else. And I think that a lot of managers now looking at the way Joel Linton at Newcastle has been changed from a centre forward or an outside left to a really good attacking midfield player who can do the defensive side of the game, suddenly got in his mind quite, I can get around the field. Arsenal are going to do it with Havertz. Havertz is going to play in that left, sort of inside left position where Xhaka was playing last season. You know, and you're going to see a lot more. And you, you, Gakpo, is the Liverpool are trying to do exactly the same with him. So it, it could be a little thing at the moment, a, a fad at the moment, um, you know, that managers want to get forward into midfield. Forwards into midfield, but who can get forward? Right. I, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously you can always, you know, mm. you can look at things differently. Mm. Havertz obviously played midfield mm -hmm. earlier in his career yeah. and, and did so for a long time. Some people question whether he's a yeah, center forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Linton, I think, is, is a really, really good example. I think you need a certain kind of humility. And yeah. I think you also need to have much more of kind of like a stamina engine mm -hmm. rather than a sprint engine. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times with those bigger center forwards, you have those guys who, yeah. you know, they're, they're asked to just oh, sprint. Oh, you, well, you've got to know, 40, you've, got to know you've got to know what their physicality is. You know, exactly. all, all, the, all those tests they do, you know, all the and running And that's tests. why, like, Gakpo wouldn't seem like an obvious one, but I'll tell you what, Joe Linton didn't seem like an obvious one either. No, no. So, uh, who knows? I, that's going to be interesting to watch, yeah. but... You, but logic suggests if you have you've got bet, to balance your squad they're going to add a body yeah, in midfield. Got to, they're going to add a, a, a very good body in midfield another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, enough Premier League. Let's talk about the German Super Cup. Let's talk about Harry Kane's debut. Let's do it with Jan Augefjortov joining us. Uh, Jan, uh, we're all excited. People, the, the joke is that oh look, Harry Kane's gonna—he's moved to win trophies. He'll win the first, the, the first trophy, the the Super Pokal or whatever they call it. Uh, no, Leipzig, other plans. Leipzig destroying Bayern three 0 A Dani Olmo uh, hat trick. Uh, Kane came on the last half hour, or so didn't really make a, have much of an impact. Uh, were you surprised at how Leipzig raced ahead and Bayern never caught up? And where does this leave Tuchel? Well, there's something wrong in the kingdom of Munich, uh, 100%. And that was not a script at all. What about this? Kane should have a hat-trick. Olmo, what's going on? But there is something wrong uh, at Bayern. And they need to sort it. Uh, as a lover of English and German football, I think there was a reality check also for some English pundits to see that Harry Kane doesn't go there on a vacation. Uh, after, was it five minutes after the game, the headlines were... Uh, uh, Kane is there, the title is gone, uh, so he will be under pressure there. That was nothing to do with Harry Kane, that was more to do with a Bayern team that doesn't kind of hang together. They created chances, but that defense and how they are explored on the counter-attacks, 
terrible, terrible for Bayern. And when then Tuchel after the game say, I have no clue what to do. Well, we know what's going on in Bayern then, don't we? Well, I don't understand why Tuchel does this. Why do you come out and say things like, yeah, I don't, don't, I don't know. I have no clue what to do. I don't know how to resolve this. I wish, for example, they would have asked him, well, if you have Pavard, who you're trying to push out the door because you bought another gigantic center back in the summer, um, why start Pavard in this game? Who I'm not saying he was the reason they gave up two goals in the first half, but I don't think he helped. You know, you have four goalkeepers at the start of the summer and then Presto, you knew that Neuer wasn't going to come back straight away. You knew it was going to take time. Why leave yourself open like this? Why say things like, we want a top goalkeeper. He has to be experienced, but he also has to accept that when Manuel Neuer comes back, he's going to be the number one. Who's going to come based on that? Well, I, I think that, that, that is, uh, they are the points. I mean, in Germany, you say they have viele Arbeitsstellen. They have some places <laughs> to work on. They say, I need a number six, Tuchel said. Kimi said, I am a number six. Manuel Neuer say, I'm the best goalkeeper in the go- world. I go skiing. I-, I will be ready to start of the season. He's not. And as you're saying, how can they solve that problem? No, they sold the number nine position, but there are so many places now to work for them. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that w- what will happen now to Bayern. Well, yes, they're going to Bremen the first game. Bremen, of course, out of the first round of the, of the German Cup, so they'll probably beat Bayern. That is how things are going. And, and Tuchel need to sort that out. And, and we all know that, that coaches get sometimes a God syndrome. You think you can just say whatever you want. I think that he feel now that his position was strengthening after that uh, Salahamidzic and, and Khan out there. He got his number nine. I think he was too honest, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Because if you're going to take players out like Pabad, you have to send some signals in there. Sven Ulreich is plus the number one goalkeeper. Well, he's been there for like ages. So what is all this fuss about? Bayern are struggling, and thank God they are, because we need some Leipzig, some Dortmund to get closer to them. And if they don't get better, we can just hope, as neutral, that Bayern get a, uh, a bit worse, as I was saying. I, I was so impressed, uh, I have to say, with, with, with Leipzig and with Marco Rosa. He's had ups and downs. He's mm-hmm. had a difficult time, mostly at Borussia Dortmund. But, uh, and we're going to get into this more uh, with Jan on the Gavin Jules podcast. But when I look at the way they lined up, when I looked at uh, all the newcomers they had, uh, uh, Openda starting, uh, Seawald starting, um, Xavi Simons starting, uh, mm-hmm. of course, he's on loan. Uh, and it looked like those guys had been there for the last five or ten years. Now, obviously, a couple of those guys, Sesco came on and Seville coming from Salzburg, which helps. It's all part of the family. But anyway, I digress. Talking too much. Well, we'll get back to Leipzig in a, in a minute here. But uh, I want to ask you the same question that I've wondered myself mm-hmm. that uh, I've asked, we debated with Don Hutchinson. I want to get both your opinions mm-hmm. here. Start with you, Robbo. We've seen Harry Kane earlier mm-hmm. in his early in his career, operate as a traditional center forward. Yep. And he was very, very good at that. Tremendous in the air, great yep. sense of being in the box, making himself available, knowing where the ball's going to go. We've seen him in the last couple of years at Spurs, kind of doing the Benzema thing where he's a 9 and he's a 10, mm-hmm. dropping off, mm-hmm. runners run past him, Son, Kulusevsky, Richarlison, mm-hmm. whatever, and being very effective at that. While, by the way, also scoring mm-hmm. 30 goals in the Premier League, which is pretty crazy. Where do you think Thomas Tuchel sees him? Which of the two Harry Canes, bearing in mind that he has genuine wingers who can deliver service, and of course he also has potentially the number 10 of the future, Jamal Musiala, mm-hmm. and the, maybe the number 10 of the past, Thomas Muller, 
behind him. So if he drops off, he's going to run into those guys. Whereas there was no risk of him running into attacking any attacking midfielder so, uh, at Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho's uh, Spurs. Uh, I think he'll still play both roles. He can play as the, when they're on top of a team and, and dominating the play, he can play as the number nine and they got crosses into the box. When they're playing against better teams, I think he'll become a number 10 because it's made for him to be the playmaker as well because Musiala will run beyond him at the right times. But the other wide players are all quick, they're all dynamic, they all like to make forward runs. Sane is much better when he's got space to run into. Gnabry's much better when he's got space to run into. Um, uh, Coman, likewise. I mean, Coman can go past people as well. But they, if they make the runs from outside to in, they can be a real problem. And Harry Kane can be the link for all that. You know, I, th- I can see him... So you see him more as a link guy? A link guy who will go in, arrive in the box at the right time. Right. And, and I think it will suit him absolutely perfectly, the players that, he, that Bayern Munich have got around him. Jan, do you agree with that? Because one thing that we've seen in the Bundesliga sometimes with Bayern is they have like 70% position. The, the other team parks the whole like, you know, Hanover public transportation system in the box. And yeah, if you drop off, all it means is there's nobody in the box. Yeah, I think it's interesting that uh, what they have tried to replace Robert Lewandowski and Robert as well. Yes, he was a number nine, but he also got a bit deeper, also an intelligent footballer. Uh, Harry Kane is is a very intelligent footballer. He, he could probably play as a clean number ten uh, in, in that role because he's so good at that. I think that we will see a Harry Kane that uh, like Robbo saying he will he will score his goals hundred percent. But I think we will see a lot of more assists from him because he got so many players in and around him that he can play with. It's also cr- quite interesting when they say yes. There's a lot of teams parking the bus against against Bayern, but there will still be space. There will still be space available for them because they, they can do quick counterattacks as well. And Bayern has kind of developed that. I remember I always quote Pep Guardiola on that, that he said Bundesliga, that's the only thing is counterattack, counterattack, counterattack. That was one of the, the, the big quotes for him when, when he came there. So, so I, w- I think you will see Harry Kane in, in different uh, positions. And, I, and I'm sure that an, a hurricane will only do, for example, a Musiala better. Because Musiala also needs a link-up player. And he hasn't had a clear link-up player. But when you play Gnabry and Thomas Müller, is Thomas Müller a, a great link-up player? Yes, he is. But he is different. He is different because he, he, he doesn't have that, that, that hurricane that he will, will kind of keep the ball, keep the ball as long as you want. He got that one as, as hurricane as well. So I think that Thomas Tuchel will find a way. The only thing that we're 100% sure of when, when he puts up his starting 11, Harry Kane will be in there. And the rest of them needs, need to adjust to him. Do you think we'll see, I mean, obviously, Limer is on board. Limer um, certainly agreed to, to join. Uh, certainly, I think he thought he was going to be coached by Nagelsmann, not uh, Tommy T. Nevertheless, gets a start. You've got Ryan Gravenberg, who supposedly is there because Tuchel will get more out of him. You'll have Goretzka as well when available. Are we going to see two midfielders? um, Or are we going to see, as we saw sometimes, Kimmich on his own? Because I don't know how happy and and how in tune Kimmich is with what um, with what Tuchel wants him to do. And certainly Kimmich and Leimer, not a good performance uh, on uh, Saturday night. But it's, it's, it's always like this. It's quite interesting because uh, when you see in Germany more than in England, I would say, 
is that you build up a hierarchy, sorry about my uh, bad pronouncing, but you build up the leaders in your team. And Nagelsmann certainly wanted to build up Joshua Kimmich in that position. And that annoyed a bit the old guard, Thomas Müller, with, uh, with Manuel Neuer. He didn't, they didn't like that. And I think it was quite significant that Thomas Tuchel has spoken all summer about the number six and uh, says, I need one. And Kimmich says, I am one. And I, I think that is quite central to what's going on at Bayern at the moment. I think there are a Joshua Kimmich, if I may say, and I, I, I'm not criticizing in the terms, but, you know, you could be overestimated also when you are a world-class player. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying if, 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 if you have a, a player who is so good, but you can still think he's even better. And Joshua Kimmich, sometimes I've been feeling the last couple of seasons, He's been, yes, he's a good player, but he's not the Philip Lam. He can't do both right back and number six as good as Philip Lam could. He couldn't. And Thomas Tuchel have seen that, if he's right, but it's his, his decision. So I think they will, they, they will try to get a number nine. You also see that Goretzka doesn't have um, a big future in the plans of Thomas Tuchel as we are speaking but as we are speaking Thomas Tuchel doesn't have a great future at Bayern either so things can change as we go along here Robbo you are a central midfielder just, yeah. just make this simple what is the problem what is the issue with Kimmich why, why, why not just play him and whoever you want next to him fine but why not putting this faith in Joshua Kimmich and just recognizing that you know he may not be Philip Lam but that is setting the bar very high maybe yeah. not yet I understand what Jan's saying because occasionally in the last two years he hasn't played quite so well but I've also seen him when he was out injured and then he came back in the game and suddenly he changed the game when he came on he could see passes that the other midfield players couldn't see my only criticism of Kimmich would be is he a good enough athlete to do some of the covering of the fullback areas when, when, when the fullbacks go forward. Maybe not. But when Bayern Munich are dominating games, he's a good passer of the ball. He can do that holding midfield role well. He can go forward at the right times, pick out passes. He takes most of the set plays and delivers balls into the box. I think he's a... He's a well, I a, presume that's what Lima's there for. Uh, right? Lima's there, to give, Lima's there to give more energy, I think. And, yeah, to do some of yeah, the running with yeah, Kimmich. But, uh, you know, I, I would go with Goretzka. I still think Goretzka's an excellent player. And, I, and I don't think Thomas Thomas Tuchel going in in place of Nagelsmann hasn't made Bayern a better team. And no love from either of you for Ryan Gravenberch. I gave you the opportunity no. to talk him up and you didn't. Um, I will remember this and Ryan will remember that too. Uh, <laughs> but Ryan, I should, but I would say, Gab, just I, uh, when Ryan, Ryan came to, Dutch fo- uh, to, to German football, uh, can I please name drop here? Uh, uh, I met in a, in a seminar my big favorite, Marco van Basten, and we kept in touch. So sometimes I can send him a message. And I remember when, when Bayern signed Gravenbeck, I sent him a message and I said, what do you think? And he said, too early for him to come to Bayern. He should have a couple of more seasons in Ajax and then he may be developed into a top player. And I think that when they took Gravenbeck, maybe it was the right thing to, to take that kind of, of talent, but it was not a finished article. And this linking him to Liverpool... I don't believe it. I don't rate him at the moment. Uh, I love the fact that you brought up Marco van Basten because my next question is going to be about <laughs> tall center forwards. Since mm-hmm. uh, you were a tall center forward yourself, maybe not that tall by Norwegian standards, but you know, for for the re- <laughs> for the rest of the human race, you are pretty tall. Um, we saw Benjamin Sesko come on. Um, 
I, I'm just struck by this is a big man who moves so naturally. But also, Matthijs Tell, who, you know, he missed a bunch of chances. But he also does move very naturally for mm. a big man as well. I Can you just talk a little bit about, is there a bit of a difference in kind of the, the oversized center forward? Um, obviously, Sesko coming from Salzburg where... You know, before him, there was another oversized center forward there who you know rather well, somebody named Erling Holland. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of what's asked for this kind of center forward position in the norm in the modern game when you have that body type? Yes, I can because I was uh, I, I would have loved to have first of all I had that timing on my runs that these new generation of players have. I remember when I started following Erling very closely when he was at Salzburg, I was so amazed. And even remember that game he played at Liverpool when he came on against Van Dijk. He, he scored one, he could have three or four in that game. His, his runs are so good. It's something they do with their body language. They kind of, first they create through, the, uh, through their movement, they create the space and somehow they manage with their body language to tell the great players they have around them to tell them that we want the ball there. And, and I think it's a good observation with Sesko going the same school. I think there is something to do with the Salzburg kind of Red Bull kind of academy kind of philosophy they have there. They have great coaches talking about uh, uh, Rose that was the first coach of, of Haaland. No, Marco Rose, uh, Gosesko, of course. They just develop into these great, great runs. And I think that is something to do with the evolution. Because in back in the days when I was a number nine, it, it was a fight against some great defender and you had to win the fight against him. And But this new generation, when it is less and less space, they, they kind of have to develop that ability to create the space for them. And I think Cesco, I remember when, when I started following him, then he was a kid in, in Salzburg. And they, they, they used to say, this will be the, one of the best around. I mean, it's going to be a hard thing now with that Norwegian guy, but still, Sesko will have a great future. And I agree with you. The way he creates spaces for himself reminds me of El. All right. Well, let, let's let's end this on, uh, on on Leipzig because I would have thought most people would have thought in a season in which they lose Josko Gvardiol, arguably mm-hmm. one, of the, one, best one of the top yeah. two or three best defenders in the world, mm-hmm. never mind at Leipzig. Uh, they lose Christopher Nkunku, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, they're, they're, they're talisman, arguably their best player. They lose Sobislai, finally fit again, mm-hmm. contributing. They lose other guys. Well, they lose Limer, who, you know, mm-hmm. was a big part of, 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 the, of, of the midfield. Uh, they, and they lose Haustenberg, who, whatever, still was a veteran mm-hmm. defender. You lose all these guys, and they reload so quickly. Just, just a reminder, Openda, who, who I loved last season um, in, in, in Ligan, the, the, the Belgian striker. Sesko, we've just talked about. Um, Xavi Siemens, who mm-hmm. is a super, super talented player. Again, playing in a slightly different role there than what I would have imagined. Can they go and, and and maybe all of this helps energize Danny Olmo? Maybe, maybe Danny Olmo will live up to his talent now. Uh, can can they make this a legit three way race and maybe even win it? Well, where do you see them this season? Can they reload rather than rebuild, Jan? 
As I got my glasses on, now I see that you saw me. So, yes, <laughs> no, but uh, very impressive. And we're talking about philosophy with, with Max Ebel as well as a head of sport. There is a way of thinking. I think that what Dortmund did back in the days, I'm, I've always been a big fan of Marco Rosa. When they fired Marco Rosa, I, w- I would sure that he would have sorted out that. And, and I think that sometimes we, there is a lot of talking about getting players in. But it's also depending on what do you get him into. I think you saw a bit like that at Chelsea yesterday when you saw that Chelsea quickly had a way of playing. I'm not saying they're finished, but you saw that they have a way of playing. And you see that it's much, much easier for a player when you come to a new club when the philosophy is quite clear. You know what you expect from you. So when you take out one striker, you put another in, you know, yes, use your individual abilities to develop our game, but still, this is what we want from you. And I think you can see that at the best teams, at the best coaches. So the time you need to adjust is shorter. See a lot of the players, I'm, I'm using Chelsea now because it's the opposite last season. You, you're not sure what the philosophy is and it's harder for new players to adjust. And I think you can see that, uh, how quick players adjust. I think that is a mirror of a, their clear philosophy of a coach uh, at the club. And I think the clear philosophy of the club, that, that 4 2 2, two mm. uh, setup, so distinctive, and they just slot into it. Jan, thank you so much. All right, enough Bayern. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gap. Real Madrid beat Atleti Bilbao 2-0 as Jude Bellingham steals the show. Robert will get to the injury news. But let me ask you first, is 4-4-2 the way forward, assuming Mbappe doesn't materialise? Yeah, 4-4-2 with a diamond in midfield because I don't think we're going to see Vinicius Junior play as the out-and-out centre-forward. He'll drift out to the left-hand side where he's probably at his very best. I saw a couple of great runs from him. Rodrigo will start as the centre-forward but drift out right. Bellingham will keep making those runs through the middle as he's been doing in pre-season. Ancelotti's done that throughout the pre-season. Season. And it works for Camavinga as he doesn't want to play as a wide left player, but he can go from inside to out. The same with Valverde. Works for him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Vinicius, I don't think Vinicius is a quiet game. I think he's more effective when he mm. can receive the ball in wider areas. Yeah. There's still some chemistry to work on there. Despite the win, two major ACL injuries over the last 72 hours. Major blow for Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah. yeah um, obviously, it's Thibaut Courtois yeah. who. Uh, I feel really, really bad for him. I mean, like, arguably, we're talking about the two best players yeah. last season. Um, Courtois looks like deal's just about done to bring in uh, to bring in Kepa. I'm not the biggest Kepa fan. On the other hand, when you look at the alternatives, yeah. uh, David De Gea would have wanted, I presume, a multi-year mm-hmm. deal. Uh, Kaylor Navas on loan relations with Paris Saint-Germain, not really great right now. No. Um, Bonu, Bono would have cost money from Sevilla, which you know they probably don't have right now. I don't want to spend. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with this. Militao, I think, much tougher. They have to bring somebody else in, uh, especially, you know, I think Ferland Mendy could play, play centre-back, but they're trying to get rid of him. They don't really like mm-hmm. him, and he has injuries. You can't go the whole season with, with you know, Nacho, Rudiger, and Alaba, three guys who are all 30-somethings. Arsenal will be forced 2-1, though it gets a bit jittery at the back. Robbo, do you like the setup with Havertz in midfield and Thomas Partey at right back? I've got nothing, no problems with Havertz playing in midfield. I think it, it suits him quite well. He's going to have to learn the defensive side of the game and be more aggressive when he's defending at times. But I'm not sure why they played Partey at right back because Gabriel came on as a substitute later on in the game. So it, throughout pre-season, White has played as the right back and Gabriel and 
against Labour. I the think it's backs. because they like to have he likes to have one passing fullback, mm. and maybe that's why he with Zinchenko out. He he started but with he still Timber had on Timber, the left. Timber on the left, who who can go in field and get on the yeah, ball. But he's not Zinchenko. No, and he's not Partey. Yeah, I, 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 I seventy eight percent ball possession, but they move the ball so slow. I think there's, yeah. there's still a lot to work. Still on. a lot to work with at Arsenal. Roberto Mancini has resigned as the Italian manager. Is these sad days for you, Gab? Yeah, nobody saw this coming. I mean, I think this is, there's something behind it. Um, mm. There is the, you know, obviously Italy won the Euros and they'll be grateful for that. They didn't qualify for the World Cup, but they did have a good qualifying campaign. They, they reached the Nations League Final Four twice under Mancini. Look, mm. everybody, everything was going. Uh, he was just given more powers in early August. There's two theories behind this. One is that he's annoyed because mm. some of the guys he wanted to keep in his staff, you know, they, they, the FA have added other people to his staff, including mm. the, the under-19 manager, I think. Um, but then it's kind of silly to just resign in a strop like this. The other uh, theory mm. is that it's the Saudi theory, which explains mm. everything, is that he's been offered $60 million over over three years to go manage Saudi Arabia. Um, I would hate I hate the idea that Roberto Mancini, who has earned a ton of money in his life uh, as a player and, 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 and as a manager, will just, oh, yeah, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm going to Saudi because they're giving me mm. a lot of money. That just would really thoroughly, thoroughly depress, it, depress me. It's not life experience at this point. It would just be depressing. In terms of replacements, the two names that come up immediately because they're big names and they're unemployed are Antonio Conte mm. and Luciano Spalletti. Yeah. Um, I think between the two, I think Spalletti's a better option. Yeah, Italian FA saying, you know, we'll have a we'll have a solution in days. I say, take your time. Mm. You you can have an interim boss for the European qualifiers. Don't be railroaded into getting Spalletti or Conte right now. You know, take your mm. time. Who would you prefer? Who would you prefer? Well, Conte. Did, yeah, I would say Conte did a good job with the Italian national team when they were at their. I would thought their weakest when there's some really poor players at that particular time. Yeah, but Spalletti, now there's good players, so I don't yeah, want Conte. And, well, and, and Spalletti's done a good job in most places he's been. So and, yeah, I think you can pick either one of them. It's semi-final time at the Women's World Cup, Robbo. It wasn't always pretty, but England overcame Colombia and arguably the most exciting player in the tournament, Linda Caicedo, while hosts Australia outlasted France on penalties. How do you see this going? Uh, if you're talking about who's the better team, I think that England are, are, are a better team. But they're going to have to play better than they have done in the games that I've seen so far. The, yeah, they the, were the, poor against Nigeria, very yeah. poor against Nigeria. Uh, and against Colombia, mistakes. Uh, mistakes, yeah. I mean, the goalkeeper, the, the mistake the goal, Colombian goalkeeper made for the first goal was horrendous. I mean, she only has to dive on the ball, and, but she lets it go and, and England get back into the game. And then there was a defensive mistake for the second goal where the defender tried to intercept it, made a mistake and it goes through and they score. So England are going to have to improve. Sam Kerr could be back for Australia, which gives them a, a, an extra boost because she's obviously a top class player. She came on as a sub in, in the last game. Um, but overall, it's going to be a great game, great atmosphere. Yeah still think England will get through to the final. I, with you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave, I'm going wait for Jules to come back, the mm. postmortem on France, but I thought that was a horrendous performance from France, horrendous mm. coaching performance yep. uh, with those players. I thought they should have done better mm. against Australia, but all credit to Australia. Now, Spain face a Sweden in the other semi-final on Tuesday, Gab. Spain favourites or not? They have to be favourites. I think they're probably mm. the most skillful team mm -hmm. left in the tournament by some margin and it's pretty remarkable when you're looking at what happened with the spain team all those players mm -hmm. you know pulling out the dispute with the manager and stuff just replaces them with other players mm -hmm. 
I think Spain will always be vulnerable because of the way they play. We yeah. saw that against a not great Holland team. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, physically, other teams can get to them. Um, and when you base yourself on technique, you risk making mm-hmm. mistakes. Uh, that is the main threat against Sweden. That's why I think it's going to be very close. Sweden, of course, an outstanding goalkeeper uh, as well, as, as we've seen mm-hmm. uh, uh, throughout uh, this tournament. Um, but uh, Sweden, of course, beating beating Japan, you know, was the team I was supporting. Game, game of two halves, that one, because in the first half, Japan defended with a five and then four in midfield and one up front allowed Sweden to run the game. And it all changed in the second half. Then you got back into it, Japan. I, I don't know what it is with Japan national team managers mm. making weirdo decisions mm. in World Cup, plus men's and women's. But yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that one. <laughs> this was back on Friday, but Erling Holland scored twice as Manchester City won 3-0 away to Burnley. Uh, Rob, I know we both think that, mm. that Holland fell is pretty good. I want to ask you about Kevin De Bruyne instead. He's going to undergo uh, a scan this week mm. to see he's got a hamstring injury. I'm just wondering, Mars is gone, not replaced. They've been linked with Lucas Paqueta. Mm. Uh, does the fact that James Ward-Prowse, as we're recording this, is, is on his way to West Ham, does that maybe free up the packet to go join City? And it, is he, is, does it, he need it, help? It does, because doesn't matter who, what team you are, Kevin De Bruyne is still the best passer of the ball in world football. He can pick out passes that other players can't do. So you can have people that can run with the ball. You can have other players that like to play little one-twos, like Bernardo Silva play around pressure. You've got uh, Erling Haaland who can make forward runs. You're going to miss the likes of Kevin De Bruyne or Kevin De Bruyne when he's not playing. And I don't think this is going to be a short-term injury. This is a hamstring injury that's gone on for quite some time now. Hence why the packet would help. He would. Because I mean, it's kind of like a not, Brazilian Gundogan. Yeah, not not the one that played for Milan. No, the one that I played for Leon, years ago, Let's and not the back. one that first went to West Ham. The one that's now playing for West Ham. Yeah, that would be much better. Now, Hatafe and Barcelona battle to a nil-nil draw in a game that saw four red cards and plenty of controversy. Gav, this game was surreal, and Xavi is not happy, is he? No, it was ridiculous. Xavi sent off the Hatafe doctor sent off. Look, this is a board of the last team. It's mm. physical. Uh, it's chippy. That's what it was. Rafinha mm. reacted with frustration, got himself sent off, rightly so. Uh, Lewandowski had a quiet game. Barcelona did, and I think did enough to win. Mm. In when, my it was 10 view, versus, when it was 10 versus 10. That I, I, 10 versus 10 once they had mm. more space. Barcelona also got hamstrung by the fact that Araujo and Gundogan only registered mm. sort of in 48 hours mm. before the game because of their financial situation, which is a whole other, uh, which is a whole other issue. Um, at the end, was it a penalty? I, I don't know. I think it could have been a penalty. Yeah. I'm disappointed that they came up with this imaginary handball so they wouldn't have to decide on the penalty. Um, but yeah, I also saw a real spirit about Barcelona. That's yeah. And that guy, Lamine, every time he plays, wow. Yeah. Wow. He's a good player. Tottenham draw away to Brentford 2-2. Robbo, did you like what you saw from my man Ange? Uh, I did. There was a nice shape to the side, um, you know, with Madison playing in the number 10 role. I think they probably needed more from Richarlison, needed more from Song. But they tried to dominate the game. They tried to dominate the ball. They pressed quite high up the field. I thought the two midfield players did OK. Uh, Basuma particularly did well. Uh, they lost Romero early on with concussion after scoring a goal. But I think, yeah, happy with what I saw from, from Spurs. Now, PSG draw nil-nil with Lorient in their opener. But Gab, this was overshadowed by two stars. The one who is back in the team and the one who is packing his bags for Saudi Arabia and Al-Hilal. That's right. The game itself, nil-nil. Paris Saint-Germain had a billion uh, shots on goal. Ridiculous possession. Didn't play great, but hey, you know, Hmm. it's a new team, whatever. The big news is Kylian Mbappe supposes forward progress. He's back with the team now. 
he's available for selection, as they say. And crucially, Neymar, on his way to Saudi Arabia, on his way to Al-Hilal, I think this is a masterstroke from Paris Saint-Germain, mm-hmm. that they get somebody to go and take his $36 million, uh, a year wages when he's 31 years mm-hmm. old, and also uh, agree a fee. I mean, yeah. that, that that's TBD. There's different numbers out there, but it's still it's a tremendous turnaround. It gives him more leverage over Mbappe because... While Mbappe may not want to stay, that's more money they can throw mm. at him, more money that they can use to strengthen the team uh, if they want to. And more importantly, it convinces, it kind of forces Real Madrid, it plants a seed of doubt mm. in Real Madrid's mind. Yeah. Do they make a bid now? Um, and they're still going to try to work on the extension. So uh, really good weekend off the pitch for Paris Saint-Germain. Newcastle United beat Aston Villa 5-1 in a clash of big six gig crashers or pretenders, some might mm. say. Uh, they're not really pretending because Rob, Newcastle finished top four last season, but I digress. Rob, what's your question? Don't mind. Were you impressed? How about my boy Sandro Tonani? I was impressed. Uh, they went about the game in the right way. They closed the ball down. They made Aston, well, Aston Villa played into their hands by trying to play it from the back when it wasn't really on to play it from the back. If only they had an experienced coach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and Newcastle won the ball back in good areas. Uh, they played with a dynamism. Then Aston Villa tried to hold a high line when they were trying to get back in the game and Newcastle broke that down. But to your question about Tonali put in a magnificent performance. You know, I, when he first went to Milan, I thought he was just a passer of the ball. Now he's a player that will also make forward runs. He'll win the ball back. He looks a, an athlete that's improved by about 25% over the last two years. Great performance from him. Now, back to Barcelona. They're linked with a loan move for João Cancelo. Gab, you like him, don't you? Yeah, I'm a big fan. So yeah, do I. I, I like skillful players. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, now, can Barcelona... There's two actions, right? Mm. One is, do you then just tell Balde, turn Balde into a defensive player, and can, can you get away with Cancelo at, mm. at right back? I think you probably can, because mm. then you play Kunde and Araujo mm. at centre-backs the way God mm. intended, the way God made them, and and you've got that a little bit. Um, I think the other question, though, is, as ever with Barcelona, is money. Can they afford him? Yeah. Can they afford them? Can they register him? You know, He's an outstanding player because he can play right side, he can play left side. And, and I think he might have a different understanding with mm. Xavi than he had with Pep. I mean, look, I, I, I still think, I think Cancelo could help Manchester City right now, frankly. Mm. Yeah. If, if they could mend whatever's happened, come round to it, I think it would be mutually beneficial. Then you wouldn't have to mm. go and spend all this money on mm. the packet because you know what? He can play central midfield. Yeah. He's basically a number 10. Yeah. But whatever. Um, that's, you know, it's above my pay grade. I'm not going to argue <laughs> with the man who won the treble. Manchester United face uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers in a few hours, but they'll do it without Fred, who was on his way to Fenerbahce for around £13 million. Uh, Robbo, does this leave them a little light in central midfield? Uh, Casemiro. Bruno Fernandes can play in there. Eriksen is in there. Mm-hmm. McTominay can play in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Menu can also play in there, the young player. Cobby? Cobby. I mean, I, I would say that they're okay in that area. I wouldn't think they need to go and get somebody else. Okay. And you can spend some of the funds maybe on getting another forward. Exactly. They do okay. Yes. That would be my, my decision if I was the manager, Eric Ten Hag, but I'm not. A late, late Willian uh, Jose goal gives Betis a 2-1 win away to Villarreal. But Gab... How about Isco playing his first game for quite some while? I think since uh, November? Mid-November, that's right. Uh, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was... Did he, he play well? On the show. He, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, high energy, high quality, gives them a lift. Uh, when Fakir comes back, 
the prospect of the mm. two of them together. Um, so what's he done over the last few months to get himself back to fit? Because when I saw him play that probably in mid-November, he was slow, he couldn't get on the board, he couldn't make things happen. He's just got himself fit and hungry again, is he? I'm guessing Pellegrini got to him somehow, mm. you know, realised the, the, the clock is, is, is ticking and mm. at his back he heard Time's winged mm. chariot drawing near and mm. said, hey, I want to I wanna make my career, my talent mm. count. Last show it was Ajax, this show it's Union Berlin. Uh, Juventus have told Leo Bonucci he's not wanted and he keeps getting linked with clubs abroad. Um, can he do a job at the right club? Is it Union Berlin? I mean, how would you have a club like that and like, yeah, look, we're the alternative hipstery club. And look, let's bring in this guy who is the establishment yeah. to come in and he's old and he's going to help teach our young defenders and inspire. Does that work? Uh, well, I'm not sure he's the player that teaches. I had a long conversation with a, uh, a Dutch centre-half who said he, he played alongside two defenders. One helped him a lot. The other one didn't help him very much. Right. And the one who helped him was, was Chiellini. And had a big yeah. Nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the other one didn't help him too much and made it quite difficult. So I don't think he's that sort of character. He's uh, a very good footballer in terms of his passing ability. He hasn't got a lot of pace, but he's decent in the air. Can he do a job? Of course he can do it. still do a job, but it'll have to be at the right club, I would say. Uh, now, Napoli are hoping to sell uh, Zielinski to uh, Al-Akli in the Saudi Pro League and use the money to sign Celta's Gabri Vega. Gab, there's a problem, though. Yeah, so the problem is Zielinski. Zielinski has a year left at his contract. He's 29 years yeah. old. And big part of Napoli winning the title. It was a big, huge part, uh, although you could also argue he was probably their third best central midfielder last year, oh, okay. but he was a huge yeah. part of it. Uh, he's 29 years old. He's a year mm -hmm. left of his contract. Napoli figure, well, if we extend him, we need to give him a lot of money. Hey, look, why don't we let him go to Saudi, mm -hmm. sell him, and then we get Gabri Vega, who's younger, yeah. everybody's raving about. Um, I think Rafa Benitez ran some interference mm -hmm. as well on Napoli's behalf. Gabi Vega is a bad cause of 40 million. Mm -hmm. uh, Napoli, we're hoping to get him for around 35 million. The problem is Zelensky's saying like, meh, Saudi Arabia? I'm not that keen. Uh, you know what? Maybe it's not just about money for me. I just won the title. Mm -hmm. I like it here. Good weather in mm -hmm. Naples. Bang, and he's been there a few, good few years now. He's been there a few years. He's Polish. Maybe he likes pork products, mm. which are not readily available <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. Certainly the food is better. I would did no offense to people yeah. in Riyadh and Jeddah in Naples. Maybe he likes it more. Uh, or maybe it's all just a negotiating ploy where he says, you know what? I don't appreciate it after all the years of service I've mm. put into this club. You now want to get rid of me. You want to get rid of me in the season after we won the title. Whatever it is, he's kind of, he's been putting, like, this could all change. Maybe they put some more money on the plate or whatever. Maybe somebody else comes into him. But for now, he's saying, yeah, you know what? I'm a year away from free agency. I'm going to stick around and take my chances. And you know what? And if I don't leave, you can't buy my replacement, which means I, you got to play me, and I'll still be in the side. Yeah, I can understand it. It's an old chestnut, but Xavi called to, uh, to get rid of the running clock after the madness against Hitafe. He wants what he calls effective time. This is something I've advocated for a long time. Stop the clock, two 30-minute halves. He's not just me. It's Chavi as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've seen some ridiculous games so far in the, in the short space we've had this season. Uh, I did the Sevilla-Valencia game. Uh, yeah, there were one or two. Stop. 11 minutes were added to the end of the game. 11 minutes. It just, and, and I was doing the comment, I couldn't see where that 11 minutes came from. I did the Community Shield, eight minutes. There was, no, there was never eight minutes that should have been added into that game. It's making the game a mockery at the moment, I think. I, I, I think it's less of an issue if 
you know, since you have the fourth official mm. Uh, mm. who who adds this time and mm. he's got a formula, you know, based mm. on somebody being injured, based on substitutions, based on goals, why not just as he punches it into his little device, mm. why not make that public? So they, mm. at the end, you know actually how much time mm. is actually left. Mm. Um, I, I think that would help. Haller in the German third division have apologised apologised after one of their supporters racially abused uh, Greuterfurt's Julian Green. Gab, your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you can you, you condemn the abuse. You you praise, I think, the fact mm. that Halle as a club took mm. immediate action, took charge of it. Hopefully, they'll identify him. Just mm. as, by the way, they'll identify the 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 the, the, the fool who um, who hit Rico Lewis yeah, in, the head in the Burnley game yeah. with the lighter or whatever that was. Um, the only way you help stamp this out is if people cooperate and people own up and take responsibility. And the people who do this are isolated. It appears that this is what's happened here. Halle is a, um, you know, they're, they're from the old East Germany, not, not far from mm. Leipzig. There's a different level of perhaps tolerance there uh, than there is in other parts of Germany. That can be no excuse. And uh, it's good that the team recognizes the importance of it rather than kind of hiding behind, oh, you know, we're not racist, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that they took ownership straight away. Spurs are now sitting on that Harry Kane money. Uh, do they need another forward? Or are they okay with Hongmin Son, Richarlison, and Alejo Veliz, who is 19? And would it be the ultimate heel turn, like straight out of WWE, if that forward was Romelu Lukaku on loan from Chelsea, as has been suggested? Oh, it wouldn't be bad, would it, Lukaku? You know, For storyline purposes. storyline. Could he recapture that form we saw at Inter a couple of years ago when the ball was rolled into him and he was turning defenders, racing past defenders, linking up with another centre-forward? Probably <laughs> not, but I think Spurs need another forward. I don't think the, the three that you've mentioned are going to be quite good enough to take Spurs into where they probably want to be. So you wouldn't have a problem in terms of... I mean, like, you, you, you know, you, I think you grew up in the Arsenal ranks when, <laughs> when Sol Campbell did his heel turn went from Spurs to... Oh, well, no, that was much later than me, but... Uh, no, I know, but how'd you feel about, like, you don't, don't care because you're care. professional, right? I don't care. Yeah. No, you can go and play for who you want to play for. Now, Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasir beat Al-Hilal 2-1 in extra time to win the Arab Champions League. Gab, how did the great man do? Well, he won the Man of the Match award. He of course he did. He two goals. Uh, he came off injured. Now, I found these extended highlights on YouTube. I couldn't find the mm. actual game on my television, but I will by the start of the Saudi Pro League. I thought it was exciting. I, that maybe it was the commentator. Um, I thought... I'm was it a full house? I, what? Was it a full house? Big it, crowd? Yeah, it wasn't a huge stadium, but it was yeah, definitely yeah. For a, a full house. It's nice to see my man Milinkovic Savage oh. out there. Um, I, but... Al Nasser, I thought, had the upper hand, uh, but they won a goal down. And then uh, Cristiano scoring uh, to send the game into extra time. Uh, Sadio Mane, I thought, could have been sent off, maybe mm -hmm. should have been sent off. In case you're wondering, Sadio Mane is Cristiano's teammate. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Cristiano getting the winner in extra time and then coming off injured. We'll find out what the condition is, hopefully uh, not too serious, but I believe it's... Uh, it's his first trophy for, for, for Al Nasser. How about that? And the yeah, Saudi Pro League starts yeah. this week. Robo, that brings us to an end. But uh, thank you for uh, filling in for Always Jules. a pleasure. He's going to be back on Thursday. Yes, that's right. He will be departing Australia very, very soon. Uh, so we'll see you then. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.